0: Welcome to Test Case Scenario brought to you by Sauce Labs. We're excited to bring you this brand new podcast where we'll explore the unpredictable and unconventional world of technology and business. My name is Jason Baum. I'll be your host as we delve into a variety of test case scenarios with the help of our expert panelists. I'll let them introduce themselves in a moment. But let me tell you something, these industry veterans going to bring a wealth of experience and insights to the table. I can't wait to do this on a bi-weekly basis with y'all. Grab your favorite beverage, join us, and go on this engaging and informative discussion on test case scenario. And with that, joining me today are our panel of experts, starting with, let's go with Marcus Merrill. Can you introduce yourself, say what you do, and maybe how many years of experience you have?
1: Sure. Marcus, I'm from Austin, Texas. I have about 20, 22 years now of experience in testing, quality assurance, test automation. I was in the game industry briefly before that, worked on some titles that that are fun to talk about at this point. At Sauce, I run the technology strategy group, which means that if we appreciate the platform we've got at Sauce, my job is to identify gaps and then figure out if we're going to build by our partner to fill those gaps. So that's what I do.
0: Thanks Marcus, and really glad that you could
2: join the panel. Next to Nikolai. Yeah, thanks Jason. And by the way, happy birthday, Marcus. Oh, thanks. Glad glad to have you on the inaugural episode.
1: Yeah, I'm turning 50 today, which is the weirdest sentence I've ever uttered.
2: Happy 50 You're still younger than C, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, hey everyone. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my name is Nikolai. I've been doing automated testing QA since 2008, super passionate about it. I do it all the time, even in my free time. 2015, I started a blog, Ultimate QA, where I blog and teach people how to do stuff that I've learned along the way so that people don't have to repeat the same mistakes. At Sauce Labs, I'm a senior developer advocate, helping to grow the newly formed community team. And one of my first initiatives is actually going to be launching a YouTube show called the Test Automation Experience. So if you want to see more of myself and our guests, please join us there as well. Nice to be here. Thanks, Nikolai, and we're excited to check that out. Evelyn?
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Evelyn. I've been at Sauce for around four years, currently running the team of implementation engineers Super passionate about helping customers get started, helping to simplify topics in a way that's digestible for everyone and everyday people. And really excited to be on this be on this podcast and put those skills to use here.
0: Simplifying the complex is something that I think very few can do. So thank you, Evelyn. And I know we really appreciate being part of the podcast. And Dylan? G'day, world. I'm Dylan from brisbane australia
4: i've been working in software engineering for about oh 16 years and i like to build things help people entertain and teach and as the manager of developer relations at source labs i get to do all of those things at once if you enjoy watching me stumble around badly attempting to write software you can also do that over on our twitch channel since we're going to start just like pumping ourselves up at the start here so twitch.tv slash source
0: yeah, Dylan. I think you, you you have what three episodes at this point a week.
4: Yeah, we do one. Here's what's coming up: variety show. We focus on mobile one day a week, and uh, the last one is it's called Nighttime Code Vibes, and it's where instead of shouting at compilers a lot, I just go, <laughs> "Damn it!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Dylan's from Boston, as you could tell from his accent, right? That's wicked. Yeah. Yes, wicked. Yeah. All right, that was a joke. Obviously, he's from Texas. All right, and I am Jason Baum. We. Australia is the Texas of England so like <laughs> there you go I, just, I, I did not know that I'm not good at geography and I'm Jason Baum and I am a community builder by trade I am not a tester I have 17 years of experience in community and I love it and there is nothing else that I'd rather be doing I came into it accidentally and I never left they wouldn't let me and I'm excited to be doing that here at Sauce Labs And this is Test Case Scenario. Wow, first episode. Not that the first episode jitters are out of the way. Let's get right into it. And we've got a pretty good topic today. It'll be a little bit of a polarizing conversation because that's more fun. Cryptocurrency, Web3, blockchain. These are like all at this point words we hear and don't necessarily always know what it all means or what to take from it, whether we should be taking it seriously. You often hear things like, Oh, if I had only invested when, and I'd be a multimillionaire, although now you might not be, I don't even know where to begin with a topic like this. So I turned to a trusty pal, ChatGPT, and asked it to define Web3 and cryptocurrency as if I'm a fifth grader. And here's what it came up with. Web3 is like the next version of the internet. It's like upgrading from a regular phone to a smartphone, instead of having just one big company controlling everything like Google or Facebook, Web3 allows for many different people to have control over their own information and how they use the internet. Sounds nice. Sounds really nice, right? And cryptocurrency is like digital money. It's like buying things online with a credit card. But instead of using regular money, you use special money that only exists on the internet. And this special money is called cryptocurrency, and it can be used to buy things online or sent to other people like real money. I can't figure out a way that'll go wrong. What do you guys think?
4: I feel like you should have got my parents' permission before <laughs> presenting this content. That is a simultaneously very vague and very rosy depiction of, of ha- what Web3 is. And oddly sounds a lot like what Web1 is. Was. A little bit, right?
3: Sounds Look, a bit biased. Like maybe that's the definition because an AI wrote it. They maybe they're mm,
1: friends. Could be.
4: Yeah, like it, it dated Bitcoin in college.
3: Yeah, that's exactly.
4: How, how,
1: that GPT, if it knows Bitcoin, <laughs> do they get along? How, how would
0: you define it, Dylan?
4: I think I think of Web three technologies as they're the ones that, that like divorcing them from all of their goals and aims and like scams and whatever. Web3 is an attempt to make the web distributed, trustless, and I guess control-free or maybe permissionless. So the idea is that you don't need anybody else telling you how to interact. You don't need to have somebody with privilege who's not, we have the control here. None of you like just believe that we're right and that'll be good. And I think that's what the suite is for. Whereas at the moment we have a very like privileged server, underprivileged client, model where you need someone's permission to do something and they have all the control. And that's what I think like the label is intended to mean.
0: Interesting. Evelyn, would you like to, to add to that?
3: I'm still learning about web three. I have a friend who recently started working at a web three company and I've asked her to explain it to me multiple times. Hopefully one of these times it really sticks in my brain. But I understand the concept of decentralized internet. I understand the idea of taking the information away from the big powers that are controlling it, but the actual insight into how we do that and how that's different from how it's currently done would rely on a lot of, a lot more background into how the current internet works for me to be able to speak intelligently on the topic.
0: Yeah. And then... Taking it a step further, we obviously all work at Sauce Labs and our focus is on testing and creating an internet that is frictionless, frictionless experiences. I would imagine that this type, that Web3 introduces different sets of issues. I I don't know. What are some of those issues you could think of?
2: Yeah, the issues. First, let me preface by saying that I'm certainly not a Web3 expert by any means i happened to stumble into it back in like 2012 and read stuff on the web see some lectures i tried to create a web 3 application went okay and that's as far as my knowledge goes um it's better than me i watched silicon valley and that's about my level of experience there that's not too far off we're very similar there (laughs) the interesting challenges that introduces i to me, the biggest challenge that I've seen is that, it's because Dylan put it, uh, instead of having a large entity that kind of has all the control over the end users, now you have source code, right? That's open source written by a community and you got just got to trust that it works and so People hear of a new cryptocurrency is what I know best. So that's what I'm gonna talk about as my web three. And so people hear of a new cryptocurrency. It gets some hype. They start using it. Who is really out there checking the source code, checking it for bugs, checking it for vulnerabilities? I I can read code. I've never, I don't have the time, nor do I care to look at any of those repos. So to me, that is a huge risk that we've seen it all the time happen with different kinds of cryptocurrencies getting hacked, right? People will do like a man in the middle attack where they'll just steal a bunch of transactions. And that was there, (laughs) plain and visible in the code. Nobody caught it, nobody inspected it. And that is one of the benefits of Web3, but that's also, in my opinion, that is the biggest problem in that, Even though it's open source, it's almost, yes, it's open source. You guys can view it. We don't need to test it. We don't need to analyze this code. It's there for you to analyze. And so the community will catch things, but they don't. And then we lose millions and billions of dollars.
4: And I think it's it's even worse for Web3 in a lot of ways, especially cryptocurrencies, or people often refer to, they call them dApps, distributed apps, which are can be simultaneously a protocol and an app written on top of a cryptocurrency. And the problem is because there's no central authority, once the community is using a currency, it might be impossible to change that the code of that DApp. Like the code that's implementing the token or the technology itself might be fixed in place. Maybe you can get an 80% majority to agree to migrate to something else or maybe it's just not possible. And you've got, you're in a moon lander situation. You need to know that it's going to work. You can't do live updates, the end. And I suspect most cryptocurrencies don't have a NASA budget and might not have a NASA level of engineering, just maybe. And there's like, there's also no like, Crypto-communists? Oh, uh, that means something else. But there's no, like, crypto commies trying to drive the good old nation of USA to the moon first to make sure that everything works. The kind of the motivations even are, I want my dApp to be out because then I will be a tech
0: billionaire. That's always worked, though, right? That kind of motivation. No, I, I, that hasn't I, worked.
3: Where could I, it go I wrong?
0: I don't know. I read that. I read ChatGPT. Didn't GBT Facebook and I subvert like,
4: your democracy?
3: I don't know.
0: Cryptocurrency so I, is like digital money. It's like buying things online with a credit card, but instead of using, I don't know. It nice.
3: So if I've understood this correctly, based on these conversations, we're talking about the idea of like replacing big retailers like for like clothing with being able to shop out of all of your neighbors closets. Instead, like everybody has a little, all everybody has inventory just in their closets and it's all distributed instead of all coming from three or four major warehouses across the country. But, but aren't then you like you're... assigning
0: the value to? So you like, yeah, so it's like the closet. You could also buy the closet. Isn't that, isn't it?
4: I think that's a great metaphor. But maybe, maybe
0: it's like a HOA,
4: right? So you've got yeah. your little neighborhood comes up with a set of rules and then. Let's, and then maybe you can swap. You all have an, a monthly swap meet where like Evelyn goes to Jason, Jason, I really like that sweater. Can I have that sweater? But in order for Evelyn to buy the sweater, Nikolai and Marcus both have to watch her paying you. <laughs> and then later on, I will interview them and be like, did Evelyn actually pay him? Like, did she? What did she say? Was there cake? And unless they say that Evelyn paid Jason, I will go back to his house and be like, absolutely not.
1: Oh, but it's but there's more to it than that. Because as we're calculating the blockchain, every time we have a node that's trying to figure out what the next block of the chain is, they're going to have to ask me and Nikolai again, over and over whether or not that was the right answer.
0: Yeah. Marcus. I'm curious about your take. We haven't heard your take on, on web three and blockchain technology.
1: couldn't hear my ears bleeding over calling this a currency. So I think I'm of two minds when we talk about things like open banking and standards for APIs that would be shared among the financial industry so that you could have one lingua franca and you could build your own app that wouldn't need to have a vault anywhere. And you want to actually decentralize the concept of a bank so that I have the Marcus bank and I'm going to figure out how to arbitrage and give you a slightly better interest rate than someone else would. And because I support the open banking API standard, then we can all figure out how to make our software work with each other. But when we start getting into blockchain, that's when I get completely lost. And I just want to start asking all sorts of questions like what So a blockchain at its core is an append-only database that is capable of a certain kind of throughput based on how it is calculated every single time you want to add a block to the chain. And if it's like Bitcoin, which I don't think they all are, it is both finite in the number of tokens that will be available and it is deliberately designed so that the more nodes you add to the analysis, the slower and more difficult it gets. And the more calculations have to be done every time you add a block to the chain. So you're slowing down and requiring bigger and bigger rigs in order to make these things work. Why in the hell do you want your medical records to exist on that ledger, which is shared with every other ledger person who has a medical record on this blockchain? That, to me, sounds like a centralized ledger, not a decentralized ledger. And that is where that's the first point of contention I have with all of this. So you want to talk about open banking and open APIs to support industries and create peer-to-peer businesses? I'm all for it. When it gets into crypto, that's when I am like, I'm just full of questions.
4: The uh, the Australian, sorry, sorry, the Australian Stock Exchange had a, a use case like that where they wanted to externalize the clearinghouse process so that the trading of shares would be done peer-to-peer via the brokers. And part of that was to externalize their own costs. And part of it was about speed and scalability, right? As more people want to be able to interact with the ASX in order to trade shares, more people are doing that compute. In their own resources. So instead of them having to scale up, the market automatically scales. And so that's been interesting use of blockchain. But they did spend tens of millions of dollars on it and then cancel it. it
1: sounds like the opposite hmm. of what I what my understanding was, at least of how Bitcoin works. Because if you have one node on the network, it's doing a very simple math equation to figure out how to hash the next the links between the two blocks. But if you have a hundred nodes, it deliberately scales up the difficulty of figuring out the next one so that your proof of work is more difficult to attain your token you have to earn your token a lot more with a lot more difficulty which means you can't just build a bigger rig although that's exactly what everyone does in order to gain a return because lower return on investment is still a return on investment and that's where i don't understand so it sounds like what they've hit upon is a little bit almost the opposite of of this bitcoin concept of scale
2: marcus and i would add that bitcoin was i guess the first to the game again i'm no expert i think from history that I know it was the first of the game. So Bitcoin works on the proof of work model. Right. And not all cryptocurrencies work on that model. And there's many different models. And now what I see more common is the proof of stake model, which is what something like Ethereum has moved to. And that model to me makes more sense where um, you're basically rather than incentivizing larger computers to solve mathematical problems or whatever you're incentivizing people to hold the cryptocurrency in their wallets hence creating a more stabilized economy those people get returns for holding the cryptocurrency in their wallets and more and more people come the economy becomes more and more stabilized and in with an example like solana for example Your transaction will cost like a fraction of a penny and will be done in a second. For example, I can send money from here to anybody all over the world for a fraction of a penny, and it'll take a second. Which makes the money laundering really convenient. It also
1: means that only rich people can get into the mining and harvesting, that, that stuff. Like only the rich can buy their way into being a node on the network.
3: Yeah, but those people will hire other people and those people, they'll pay those people and it'll all trickle down. Oh,
0: decentralized trickle down economics. Yeah, in
1: the case of crypto, it feels like it's headed a lot more towards pyramid economics to me.
0: Yeah, that does sound like that. So getting back to testing, because we're obviously, this podcast is focused on testing. Although we could all try and figure out Web3 on another episode. No, this is, it's interesting stuff. And it's, what's that?
1: I was thinking, as far as issues go, as you were asking about the yeah. issues that we're going to uncover. Thank one you. Thing that, uh, the two, I'm of two minds of that. Also, one one my first thing is, at the end of the day, Web three is still going to be serving up HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and talking to APIs on the back end. Right. In effect, it seems to me like there's a good chance our jobs don't change.
0: But an app that's built like what is it? DApps, the, the decentralized yeah. Yeah. applications that are built on like Ethereum. Isn't that a different type of testing? Will that be a different type of testing or no?
1: I think it will be a different approach from our side, like Nikolai and Dylan and Evelyn and I, we will have to change a little bit about how we approach it. But fundamentally, the tooling, I'm not sure that's going to be much different. So uh, I suspect it'll
4: be a lot like video games, like MMOs, Mm -hmm. where you have a main network that everybody's playing on. And then you have testnet. And maybe some of your main network hangs out on testnet for fun or because they want to see what interesting features are coming up, but you can't just go and change your main network. You have to have a second copy somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like the, is similar to having staging and testing environments, but it's different I'll... in that it will probably also be live.
1: But it will also probably require things like mocking and service virtualization, which would probably be required because you're not going to be able to control all of the elements of that, right? So... I've been thinking a lot lately about this concept of code coverage when you're doing testing. And it's becoming apparent to me that teams that are trying to go for code coverage can only do so much because they only control so much. You can only cover things that where you have visibility into what you're trying to cover everything else. You're just trying to mitigate risk. So the services that you own, you can control via coverage, but the services that you interact with, you're going to have to do a risk-based approach. So I think that's the change. It's going to be changing to adopting that kind of a mindset when you're designing your tests.
3: And what about different testing
0: to, Oh, I'm sorry, Evelyn, go ahead.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, I think that while there's going to be a lot that remains the same, I think that there is some risk in viewing it from that perspective, because if we hire the same people to do the testing on the front end, and there's connections to things on the back ends that both the engineers are new to the engineers writing those things and new to the people dealing with those connections between the things that are very new and the things that are the same. Um, there's just gonna be a lot of learning, a lot of troubleshooting, a lot of things that people didn't expect. So I do think that there's a case to be made for people specializing, even if it looks very similar on the surface to the types of testing that you would have to do, they're gonna have to deal with novel situations when they coordinate with the other people writing these applications.
2: I feel like also the types of tests are a little bit different than I w- I don't know. I guess if we could say the industry standard, which Marcus, I don't know. My Marcus Dillon, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the industry standard is a lot of web applications that sit on top of some interfaces, maybe not, but a lot of it is web or mobile based, right? And a lot of testing that you might be doing are from the front end or you're testing the middle tier, which is the services, right? Versus here, I feel like almost all of it is services. A lot of it has to do with scale. So lots of performance and stress tests. That's, for example, that's why Solana goes down. And then a huge component, which most organizations don't typically take seriously, but in Web3, you have dealing with financial transactions you have to take extremely seriously security and so to me those are like the new kind of okay if i'm prioritizing my testing i'm focusing on security i'm focusing on scalability i'm focusing on apis i am way less concerned about my uis and my selenium and Appium or cypress playwright tests
0: let's talk about
2: security in dylan's example i
0: i I believe Evelyn was buying from my closet. I would probably be buying from Evelyn's closet. Let's be serious. And then if there was cake, I remember cake. And then there was something else about how two other people would have to witness it and verify that it was me. So that verification becomes so important. Identity verification within blockchain. I imagine that is a different type of testing or maybe not different, but emphasizing to the testing to make sure that your personal data isn't compromised or that someone isn't taking your identity or there's so many ways where this can go wrong.
3: Yeah. And what about the person who's anybody monitoring the state of your closet? If it's distributed, who's monitoring the quality of all of these nodes? Yeah. It's not me. I'm not doing it. I have a, another draw.
4: That is, in some ways, that's what to, the verification is meant to be like. If if it turns out, like, Marcus is super sketchy, it, that's why you also ask Nikolai. So Nikolai can be like, yeah, no, I don't trust that dude. He has all these transactions he's talking about, and I never saw them. Um, but I, I think, like, from a user perspective, you definitely have, like... How do you know that the wallet you've written or that you're using isn't going to them stuff elsewhere? How is how do you know that the two factor app that is securing whatever is not busted?
1: See, which is what's really interesting to me is all the examples. Almost all the examples we brought up so far are solving problems that were introduced by Web three, not solving new problems that are interesting and straightforward and hopeful. Yeah,
2: we're trying to figure out how can we get back to even. Yeah, well, I do. I have
1: noticed
2: that. Doesn't all new tech introduce new problems? Think of the transition from a phone where you type with a keyboard versus a smartphone where you don't have a keyboard and you have internet a- access and so on. That to me introduced a whole new set it's, of problems that didn't true. exist before. There just, is a video but,
0: of Regis Bildman talking to Kelly Ripa when the iPhone was announced and he said, oh, that's not going to be a thing yeah <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and then two something. years later he's like fumbling with an ipad trying to find something with her on the broadcast yeah Anyway, I guess it's so there's Probably something to patient. be said
3: about how obvious the improvements like there's something to be said about how the quality of life improvements scale with the amount of problems they call that they solve versus what marcus was saying is now oh, there's these problems and in order to see why solving this problem would benefit you you have to go do a three-week boot camp, which is not as obvious as why a touchscreen might be helpful.
1: I'm just thinking that my, my, the two thoughts I've got there are that we've just witnessed the greatest fraud, I think, in the history of America, 36 billion from FTX and co. It feels to me like the thing, the industry that this has revolutionized and given steroids to is the ability to execute fraud and scams on very vulnerable and gullible people.
0: Yeah, like Tom Brady. Tom Brady lost a lot and of Matt money. Matt Damon lost uh, some money. Yeah.
1: All these folks. It's so so I believe I, I, so, so they so, can
2: make it back. Quickly. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's like a Tom, Tom Brady drop just popping the bucket for Super some of Bowl
1: for a few passes. But yeah. I think so. So for as skeptical as I'm coming off here, the reason I'm skeptical is because I'm actually I don't know if y'all are probably too young to remember the X-Files. There's a character named Fox Mulder, he believes in aliens, right? He believes it, he wants to believe in it. So he spends his entire career disproving all the quacks. I want to believe that there's a new technology, revolutionary thing waiting in the wings here. I want to believe that this is all headed somewhere that's interesting, more so than just scams and fraud. But we've gotten 13 years without me hearing a single rock solid convincing use case for the blockchain, why that exists in a way that is separate from just an append only
0: database. I don't know if we should all be offended by that statement or whether we should all be feeling pretty good about ourselves (laughs) because I don't know. You remember the x-files you mean yeah it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago <laughs> All right. Oh, this is a good conversation. Thanks so much, everybody. And first episodes are hard, but we're gonna find our way. We're gonna keep getting better. And maybe we'll pick topics that Marcus doesn't hate as much. I wish we had more time to keep going, but we don't. So we're gonna wrap it up here. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. That's all the time we have for today's episode of Test Case Scenario. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and learned something new. Thank you to our expert panelists, Marcus Merrill, Dylan Lacey, Nikolai Advilovkin, and Evelyn Coleman. We're grateful to have each of you on this podcast, and we are especially grateful to you, our listeners. And most of all, we'd like to thank our biggest supporter, Sauce Labs, for the support and being able to provide us with the tools and resources we need to bring you the best content possible. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to hit us up on social media, We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, and we value your input tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time for Test Case Scenario. Until next time, have a great day.